Welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick Wainwright, and today we will look at the uh, first Beatitudes, uh, probably three of them. And uh, for that, I have invited Ben Erickson. He was born in Michigan. He recently, uh, about a year ago, got married to Amy, and they both live in South Lyon, Michigan. Ben is about to finish his doctorate degree in philosophy at the Catholic University of America. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? Doing well, Father. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for joining us. So why don't we go just uh, right into these uh, Beatitudes. I'm going to read them and uh, then give a little intro. So um, I will read from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. When he saw the crowds, Jesus went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So up to there, the gospel. So these uh, Beatitudes are, of course, part of the Sermon of the Mount. We've been talking about them and the uh, general introduction in the previous uh, episodes. And in the Sermon of the Mount, it's Matthew chapter uh, 5, 6, and 7, uh, there we see several aspects of the teachings of Christ. Uh, what is interesting is that there's a parallel between the Old Testament where Moses goes up Mount Sinai and the New Testament where Christ goes up this mountain uh, or this elevation, this mount, we could say. Or um, So in the Old Testament, Moses gives the law, the commandments to the people of God. Jesus Christ gives the new law, the new of the gospel with which uh, perfects, supersedes, if you want, the Old Testament law, the commandments. The commandments are still valid, of course, you know, but uh, they're perfected. They, Christ gives us something, something, a greater ideal to point at. Um, so what I would ask you, Ben, to uh, give us your uh, take on these um, Beatitudes, and basically two things on each one. One, how to interpret it, what to understand that it means, and how to apply it. Great. Well, it's it's interesting because even until recently, I've had a hard time just understanding the Beatitudes. I had to do some research, and I think it's something that just how they fit in the spiritual life is not clear. And we you hear a lot about grace and virtues, but the Beatitudes, we know they're important, but exactly how they are and what they are and how they fit into the spiritual right. life isn't clear. Right. And they're not all the same. Uh, it's not that it's a virtue or an attitude. Some of them are things that we have to suffer things that w- might happen, et cetera. So it's a, exactly. a variety of things that Christ puts all in there. Yeah. And and I like the comparison you uh, drew between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In, in my own research, one of the things I found was this con- contrast between what was presented in the Old Testament and what's presented in the New Testament, because the Beatitudes orient us toward a, a kind of supernatural happiness, whereas, you know, as opposed to a, a simply natural or, or limited happiness— and if we read the Old Testament, especially Deuteronomy 23, or sorry, 28, we hear um, God speak to the Israelites and, and he's saying, you know, if you follow me, if you obey my commandments, um, you will you know, receive a certain level of prosperity on this earth. You'll have a good family, you'll have a good wife, you won't suffer certain diseases, you'll have you know, lots of food, et cetera. And then if you don't follow my commandments, then um, you will be alone, you'll be suffering, um, you won't be at peace, et cetera. And the interesting thing is, in, in my research, is that it seems as though Christ kind of inverts that, you know, mm-hmm. that the 
blessings that Christ is talking about is actually the the curses that you know uh, God talks about in Deuteronomy 28. And so there's something odd going on, but there's I think the, the one of the there's many ways to interpret the beatitudes. Um, certainly, but one of the ways to inter- you know, interpret the Beatitudes is this contrast between the happiness of this earth um, and the happiness that Christ promises, which is supernatural, which isn't mm-hmm. you know directly opposed to a level of flourishing on this earth, but certainly super you know uh, supersedes and is greater than the happiness of this earth. Right. It's um, not purely temporal. Exactly. It's it's na- it's supernatural, not right. natural. And so, you know, being a philosopher, I always refer back to, you know, some things that are familiar. One of them is Aristotle. He talks about happiness as well, and he asks, what does our happiness consist in? And he gives a couple options, three of which he says are not true. So the three that he outlines as not true happiness is wealth or pleasure or honor. And these forms of limited happiness mm-hmm. are, are something he argues is, is can produce some sort of pleasure or limited happiness, but not you know, a fulsome understanding of happiness. Right. And and likewise, I think one of the ways to read at least these first three Beatitudes is is Christ saying something similar is if we make our life revolving around wealth or honor or pleasure, then we're not going to find a supernatural happiness. Our true happiness doesn't consist in these very good things, but very limited and imperfect things mm-hmm. as well. So just at looking at the first one, for example, Christ says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, one way to, to kind of look at that is to say, you know, those who are poor, in other words, those, especially poor in spirit, those who are resigned um, to a certain degree or detached from their desi- uh, from wealth are going to be happier on a supernatural level. Um, so certainly it doesn't mean that if you are poor, you're going to be happy. But, you know, right. if you're detached from that wealth, if you don't make wealth the center of your life, but instead put, you know, Christ and God at the center of your life, then you will be happier. You will have a supernatural happiness. So attachment there, the key thing is to understand attachment or detachment, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which it's difficult to completely explain but in a podcast right? yes. <laughs> but but um it implies that the affection of the heart is not put completely in that element or person or activity or even ideas right so uh so i i can have a family i can love my family but love it in god and therefore love god first and love my family my possessions my job my ideas in so far as God wants it. Yes. In so far as it leads to God, and in so far as I don't make it the primary object of my desire. So that means I can love these things, but if God re- requires them of me or takes them away from me, that I'm not going to hate God yes. or I'm not going to be utterly dejected. I can be a little disappointed and sad, but ultimately I'll still move on, move along, because I I, lo- I still have God whom I love above all things. Exactly. I think that, you know, that that uh, poor in spirit is, is like you said, the key, you know, especially in our modern world where we have a lot of things, it's easy to be right. absorbed into them. And so having that, one of the ways we can talk about to live this is having that level of detachment uh, from them. So, Right, and it, uh, so it doesn't mean that those who are physically poor are necessarily going to uh, obtain the kingdom of heaven, 
but it's more the attitude that I have, right? right. So I, whether I'm poor or I'm rich, if I have an attitude of loving God and making God my treasure and using the possessions that I have or don't have, right, uh, at the service of God and the service of my, na- my neighbor, then I'm being poor in spirit. And also I think it, 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 it means to some extent not to have necessarily everything the latest thing that I can or everything that money can buy, right? Yes. Because yeah. there is some truth to the fact that uh, those who are poor have a greater disposition to depend on God and those who are excessively uh, wealthy have a disposition to depend less on God and more on, the, on their own human achievement. Yeah. And that dis- distances yourself a bit from God. So how would you apply this uh, for for college students, let's say, or for young people, how how would it be applicable in their lives? Yeah, I mean, certainly the most uh, immediate example is, is is donating our money. You know, there's mm-hmm. a if we donate our money, we're not so attached to it that we aren't willing to give it away to a, a worthy cause. Um, that's certainly one of the most uh, obvious ways. But so, I, like, not to have a Starbucks coffee once a week, exactly. And save the money and give it to uh, the 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 local church. Yes, the, the, the local church. church, right? Or you know, not getting the nicest food, but purchasing some extra to to give to the homeless person on the right. side you know, that you pass by on the metro every day. You know, like that's that's another you know example. Uh, another way to do it is, you know, we talked about attachment and detachment. But one way to practice being detached from um, our earthly goods is, you know, when something gets scratched or broken, or it's you know maybe even stolen, is you know does that wreck our week? Or is it something where we have a certain level of detachment? We say, you know, you know, that's a bummer, but it's not going to ruin my whole week. You know, I, right. I recognize that these things are good, and I like when they're nice, but I'm also detached enough to to not um, become overly upset when they aren't perfect or when they right. are all of a sudden gone. Right, and and another application that I was thinking, uh, for example, to share some of your food with your roommates in, uh, you know, if you're in, in college, uh, without resentment. Right and with generosity, of course, everyone has to take care of himself as well. But you know, occasionally you can do that. Or moreover, if you can save a little, learn to donate a certain amount to the church or those in need, as we said before. Um, But uh, one very practical way is not to try to have always the most recent, whatever technology, iPhone, Apple Watch. Uh, or the coolest clothes, you know, the coolest fashion, the best shorts and the best uh, tennis shoes or whatever, because all those require a lot of spending and many times we accumulate stuff, right? Uh, So it's good to sometimes buy something that is not the the latest technology or not the best thing ever, which probably doesn't make me really happy anyway. Yes, yeah. And in searching for that, like, it, this is where our happiness isn't fulfilled is if we're always looking for the next thing. We get the nicest phone or whatever or the nicest clothes that goes out of fashion or we, right. there's a new phone. And then you're always like, but I need to have the next one. And this is where the earthly happiness isn't satisfactory because we're always looking right. for that next thing instead of kind of resting um, in, in God and, and having that peace of not having the, the latest thing. Mm-hmm. Very good. And how can we, let's look at the next, uh, I know you gave already an, an overall introduction, but blessed are they who mourn for they will com- be comforted. How do you understand that one? Yeah, this one is, I think, one of the harder ones to understand because it seems odd to say, like, blessed are those who are who are sad, basically, or right, mourn, right, you know? Right, like, right, it seems right. counterintuitive. But I think, again, understanding that, you know, our, 
our happiness isn't found in this world. So those who are mourn, one of the things that you can recognize when you mourn is our happiness isn't found in the, the things of this world, even the very good things like our, our friends. Mm-hmm. So, so just one way to interpret this is, you know, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who recognize that the things of this world, when they go away, are are not going to make them ultimately happy, that they rest in God. That So just as wealth won't bring um, any sort of permanent happiness, neither will the pleasures of this world either. They might be good for a time and, and very good indeed, but mm-hmm. that they are still passing and they're good only insofar as they're united to God. And those who are who mourn, um, whether from even a loss of a friend or you know the loss of other things, or um, they have a, a time to recognize that um, while these things are good, they were good for a time, and now I need to rely um, on Christ more, or I need to be grateful for the time I had mm-hmm. and appreciate exactly. the things that I still have. Um, so I think that that's one way we could interpret this. Right. One other or two other uh, ways that I was thinking about um, that St. Leo the Great talks about, uh, this weeping or sorrow on the one hand comes um, as a result of living a holy... When it comes as a result of living a holy life, that means that many times people who try to live virtuously, especially in high school or college, you know, as, or in the workplace and in, in the world, right? Yes. Uh, it happens many times that that person is misunderstood or rejected, you know, uh, ostracized or even persecuted. So there's a certain sadness that comes from that yeah. uh, suffering, if you want. But at the same time, it is uh, coupled with the knowledge that we're doing what is right. So we are saddened for the social situation and the persecution, if you want, but we know we're doing the right thing, and God gives us consolation in that sense. And the second type of weeping or sadness is more spiritual still. There is the sadness that comes from identifying the reality of sin, right? How sin uh, damages the person who sins which could be me when I sin, or another person who sins against me, right? the saints would recognize and be more saddened for the sin of the other person than for what they suffer. And then finally, for the, for the uh, if you want, uh, injure, or the, uh, let's say, the, um, yeah, the injury it makes to God, right? The, the insult, sin, causes to God, right? So the, the virtuous person suffers for that and is sad for that. Um, and that's the greatest sadness or the most valuable sadness, right? Yes. Uh, which, of course, is a sadness that can bring even tears, but at the same time, it is blessed by God and it will be blessed by God in eternal life. Yeah. I, I, those are, I think, even more beautiful interpretations on some level. I, I think your second, well, or your, the first one you mentioned um in particular strikes me, especially in this time where a lot of young people who are really trying to follow Christ often suffer a lot, the social ostracization um, that they they feel, um, the just feeling distant from their peers and not right. engaging in the normal things. And, and there is something truly sad that they can't engage with their peers on a normal level because they're engaging in other things that aren't appropriate. And there is a right. lot of weight that that comes, and there is something to mourn there, but again— as you said, having that consolation, knowing that Christ is still with you in that time period, and he is consoling you, right. and that you are still doing the right thing, even if you are suffering because of it. Right. And even if you're the only one, yeah. you still are with God. Yeah. So you're a majority. Exactly. Exactly. 
So how would you apply it? How one specific applications? Yeah. Let's see. One way, again, if we kind of take the interpretation I originally uh, offered is this idea of, well, if the goal is to be detached from you know, pleasure, um, is that when we are going through something, some something sorrowful or some suffering, is that mm -hmm. we're uniting that to, to Christ and recognizing, okay, the, the suffering that I'm experiencing, it does have meaning, right? And so offering that to Christ saying, I, this is sorrowful, this is sad, it could be because you're ostracized from your friends, that could be your, your suffering, then you know, giving that to Christ and saying, you know, please take this, you know, console me in my sorrow, but then also grant me the grace to carry my cross and and to learn that it is through the suffering that I can be purified of, you know, the things that aren't leading me towards you, uh, mm -hmm. that the good things of this world should direct me ultimately towards you, and that if they're not, then you know, help me to be purified from them. Very good, very good. Well, and uh, I'll offer my little application here. Um And that is, if if one is in a, if you're in a friend group, let's say, and you're ever excluded from that friend group because you prefer not to, for example, drink in excess, or because you don't want to do drugs, or because you don't want to engage in activities or movies that are maybe leading to impurity, and you get excluded, right, or not invited, you may feel sad or disappointed, and even sometimes in in your uh, on your own when you're alone, even cry. Right, but remember that the Lord sees you. Right, the the remember that the Lord blesses you, and in turn will give you His consolation and His love and His companionship. Right, so you might lose some friends in the world, but you gain a greater friend. Right, um, and I think that is uh, important um, for perseverance to remember we're not alone, and God accompanies us even in sadness. Yeah. Right. Well, I think of the, the last um, interpretation you offered, too, is I think also very helpful, this idea of having sorrow for sins and even the sins of others, right? Like, right. that's something that if you look at the lives of the saints, they frequently have. And I think it's something that's not emphasized as much as it could now, This you know that we should have you know true repentance, yes, but even true sorrow for mm -hmm. our sin. And that at times that can lead to even physical tears, you know, and, and not to be, you know, um, overly self-flagellizing, but, you know, like this idea that you're still truly sorry and and feel sadness for what sins you may have committed or or the sins of others that are either against you or just against others that you may or may not know. Right, and St. Ignatius of Loyola in the Spiritual Exercise says that it's a good thing to ask for. It's a mm -hmm. grace to ask for. Uh, sorrow, true, sincere, and let's say pure sorrow for sin, and even uh, tears for our sins, right? All right, so let's go to the last one for today. Uh, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. How do you how do you read that one? Yeah, I think the first thing for that one is just understand what the word meek means. It's mm -hmm. not as common of a word now, but meekness is kind of like a certain gentleness or a docility, not being overly aggressive. You know, Aquinas mm -hmm. talks about meekness as actually a virtue, and it tames anger, so it doesn't let um, our anger get out of control. And so those who are are meek, how I kind of understand this, again, kind of seeing the first two, happiness is not found exclusively in wealth or exclusively in uh, pleasure. Here, it is not found exclusively in honor or in power, or the validation of others. So this idea that those who are meek have a certain level of, of gentleness and, and aren't seeking those places of um, honor, aren't seeking to have power over others, aren't you know going out of their way to, to uh, get that. And so Those who are meek, therefore, um, have a certain level of happiness because they're reliant on God. They're docile to Him mm -hmm. in receiving His grace. Right. Um, what I what I would the, what I would add 
to, to that yes. uh, explanation. <laughs> As that uh, maybe less philosophically, but yes. <laughs> uh, the meek are those who know how to like moderate their passions, particularly their anger, mm. uh, and who know to uh, who know how to be kind to others with a kindness inspired in divine love, not in just being kind because I want to be nice to people. Period, because this true kindness and true meekness also, uh, first of all, does not meek does not mean a lack of passions because of course we have passions um, but moreover the uh, it means the ability to master those passions and uh, particularly anger but at the same time it implies being able to address tough questions or tough issues with someone else be firm like a parent with their children or a friend with another one uh, be valiant or strong right and even Angry when necessary, when necessary, yeah. uh, with a divinely inspired attitude, right? Um, so, in that sense, um, I think it's important to to learn from this uh, beatitude. It's very applicable to everyday life. But what would what would inherit the land mean? Yeah, I think inheriting. That's the, a promise. Yeah, right? it's a promise. I think in many ways it's referring to on a spiritual level, the kingdom of God in heaven. You know, Aquinas right. talks about it as our eternal inheritance, you know, right. that we receive. Eternal banquet. Exactly, yes. And so I think that, you know, again, all of these are ordering us away from just a simply earthly or temporary happiness to a supernatural happiness. Again, not that they're opposed, but the idea is, are we searching for, is our understanding of pleasure and honor and wealth um, prioritized properly and underneath God, or are we making that our God in and of itself? You know, is is the validation we see from others, is the pleasure that we uh, desire, the wealth, is that what we revolve our life around, or is it around um, God? And so those who are meek, therefore, you know, they have their sights toward heaven as the fulfillment of all the desires they want. And so that's what they're inheriting when you learn to control your passions, as you talked about, when you learn not to seek places of honor and to be docile to the grace of the Holy Spirit, they will receive that internal inheritance. Right. Right. So uh, I here I have a little short quote from St. Leo the Great um, that interprets it in basically the same way, although from a different from a extra diff- from a different perspective, yeah. right? It's, it refers the land refers to eternal life, but he says the following: this land that is promised to the meek and which will be given to the gentle for their own possession is none other than the bodies of the saints, so the risen bodies. Through the merit of their humility, their bodies will be transformed by a joyous resurrection and clothed in the glory of immortality no longer opposed in any way to their spirits, their bodies will remain in perfect harmony and unity with the will of the soul. Then, indeed, the outer man, the body, will be the peaceful and unblemished possession of the inner man. Right. So the, the soul will properly possess the risen body. Yeah. Right. So they will be in complete harmony. Yeah. That's what, how he reads it. So, and how would you apply it for person in the world? Yeah, again, just with my understanding of you know this idea of those who are meek are not seeking honor or, or places of of power uh, and have control over their desire, especially anger, is when we're you know sometimes we work really hard and either we don't receive the recognition we want or maybe we uh, don't the the thing that we are working for the fruit of that labor doesn't come forth is kind of having that resignation and saying okay. 
you know, I and don't search for those that recognition is to allow God to be like, okay, I'm going to take this humbly and 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 meekly, um, but I'm I'm also going to recognize that in doing this work, I'm I'm doing it for you and love of you ultimately. And so kind of having this um, certain level of, of docility and gentleness, even when, you know, you're passed up on a recognition or on, you know, not receiving the refute of your work. Right, right. So and I would add to that um, that sometimes this meekness um, means to learn to deal with the difficult friends, right, uh, or family members or people around me or uh, co-workers by addressing the issues you notice in them or in, in the situation at work or school by a respectful conversation, right? Uh, so which might, would will imply stating tough realities, right? Uh, conversations of issues that are difficult. Do I need some, impo- some passion t- to be able to do that? But at the same time to do it with a patient demeanor, having an attentive attitude that knows how to listen to what the other person has to say, right? And yes. their concerns and their difficulties, but probably there are difficulties in the other person. Uh, and in that way, to be meek in addressing, that is a one application of yes. meekness, yeah. right? Yeah, in that situation, you're still firm, but you still have that that gentleness, right? And you're, um, in many ways, um, guiding and accompanying that person, saying, you know, look, like, I, I still have my own faults and feelings, but as your brother or sister in Christ, I'm, I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm. And by not just pointing this out, but also by accompanying you to to be a better person and a closer follower of Christ. And so in that way, they can help you and you can help them, and you both hopefully can lead each other closer to to God, right? And mm-hmm. if not, then to recognize, okay, I've, I've done my part, and, and you know, to continue to pray for them and seek God in all things. Perfect. Well, well thank you very, very much for all, this, uh, all these insights. Uh, we still owe one beatitude of the four first ones. We'll do it next episode. Uh, so thank you, Ben, for, for sharing all this. Great. Thank you, Father. Appreciate so, it. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Um, please remember to follow us in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever uh, platform you use. We hope to see you next time. May God bless your day.